everybody thanks for jumping on to the first episode of ron and matt must listen uh i am ron and i am speaking today with my co-host matt how are you hi i'm doing pretty good how are you doing today doing good man doing good uh today we'll be discussing an album that matt picked it is the plan only these movements remain for those of you who aren't familiar with the plan they were a band from halifax nova scotia they were active between the years 1999 and 2002 and probably most notably they had the member of the band michael katano who was also in north of america in the holy shroud so matt when did you become familiar with the plan? Um, I honestly, in leading up to this, I did try to rack my brain to come up with some sort of specific, but um, I mean, I don't want to say the mid thousands were still in the thousands, but I'm thinking it was probably around 2005. I think that's a safe bet. Sure, sure. And so when when you first heard them, uh, was this the first record that you heard or did you have experience with them previous i had never heard of them before um i do believe this was the first thing i heard from them and then i went backwards from there because they had done um their first full length which i believe is called this time is not this place um and then they did a seven inch some demos and stuff but i believe this is where i started i moved back um yeah so what were what were your first impressions when you heard them what drew you into the to the record so initially like finding it was kind of what you already sort of mentioned was the shared the shared member in michael you know katano i was familiar with north of america now i don't i will say that they were label mates the plan north of america on a label called Matlock Records. And how I get to Matlock, historically, not totally sure. It's either through North of America, who I probably found, um, because initially they sounded more like Pavement or, so, you know, Pavement and Palvo had, you know, boned and had a love child or something like that. And then they, <laughs> you know, then they gravitated more towards sort of a post-hardcore, whatever kind of sound. Uh, but there was also a math rock band called Weights and Measures that was also on Matlock Records, who were awesome and broke up because their uh, their drummer joined Arcade Fire. I'm only slightly better about it, <laughs> but uh, it was one of it was. The question one... is the question is when did he join Arcade Fire? At what level does he join Arcade Fire? Does That's he join a... Arcade Fire during the EP? Were there nobodies, or does he join Arcade Fire later. after they've like it was you know, later hit, hit like Neon Bible and then like you know win a Grammy the following record? Well, what's the I I'm not really familiar with them uh, because of this. Actually, I've never listened to them outside. I think they may have been on some soundtracks or some something like that. Um, but <laughs> because I knew that Weights and Measures broke up because he left the band to join that band. I was like, I'm never going to listen to that band. But I think it was after the album. They have an album that has like a hand on the cover, right? With like a quill or am I completely Yeah, yeah. Off? Funeral is, is that right? pretty sure it was after that, but before um, the Neon one. But I could be completely off base too. And he could, sure. he could have been in it. But I'm pretty sure it was one of the situations where he was not in that band 
Like it wasn't like Arcade Fire was the side band and then blew up. I think it was like, oh, I'm I'm actually just like joining this band. Um, all of that aside, <laughs> it's one of those bands. It's either Weights and Measures or or North of America that brings me to Matlock Records, and then the plans on there. I'm drawn to the plan because oh, they have a shared member with this guy from North of America. I like North of America. The descriptor of them. I also. Th- I think it probably said post-hardcore. I I almost think I remember it saying math rock or something to those lines where I was, I mean, that's kind of to the, the listener of this podcast. I started out playing in hardcore bands, going to punk hardcore shows, but then sort of gravitated um, somehow. I don't even know how to like math rock and kind of maybe post rock, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, So I know when I found, you know, Matlock records and stuff, I liked uh, post hardcore and stuff. Obviously I liked Fugazi and all the Washington stuff. So to, but I know me then (laughs) going back in time, that version of Matt would have seen the math rock thing and been like, Ooh, I got to listen to these guys, (laughs) which is so dumb, but that's, I can admit that's how my brain used to operate. So I'm, I'm assuming it was, you know, the shared member and then just the descriptor of, you know, what they kind of sounded like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when you, when you, when you think about the way they sound, what stood out to you on first listen, what did you initially hear that attracted you to pick this as a record you feel like everybody should listen to? It's kind of a tough question. There's a lot going on the record, um, which sort of lends me to be, you know, this is why I'm recommending it kind of. So like you could, um, I personally would not now, I would not describe these guys as math rock. And I know you and I have talked before, obviously about, um, (laughs) distaste with how genres can sort of pigeonhole things and potentially even like dissuade you from wanting to even check something oh that's this i'm not even gonna fucking listen to it um i will say this i i i wouldn't call these guys math rock now i mean they're not doing any of that tappy stuff or anything like that i think they have some tendencies um that are maybe different than um maybe a more straightforward kind of dc or uh i don't know what chicago influence kind of uh the post-hardcore band but i back to the actual question they i think sort of at the base of their music sort of come from a fundamental place that is equivalent to um post-hardcore um i think this album came out shortly after like relationship in command like at the drive-in and stuff i could see you know some sort of similarities there but i think the, the main thing is is you know you'll see uh online and stuff like that you'll see lists of oh these are the best fucking post hardcore albums ever put out best this thing ever um these guys like I've never really seen them mentioned ever. They might be mentioned in best 
what post hardcore bands to come out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, or you know what I mean? Uh, but they never get mentioned. But this album has a lot of different uh levels to it, a lot of different elements going on. I mean, we got dueling guitars, um. We, we got really great like bass lines the drums are super tight but then there's um ex- I, you know as i mentioned there is some uh, i guess you could say mathematical experimentation or just you know different sort of uh time signature kind of things thrown in there and uh you have stuff with um geez vibraphone trumpet there's these other instruments mixed in um I feel like a lot of times if you say things are experimental, that can put people off, right? Because that in itself is a genre, right? But I feel sure, like sure. within the genre, if you want to approach that way, of uh, post-hardcore, this is kind of an experimental record, um, but I think it all works. And that's the main thing. Like You could potentially try to do everything the plan did on this record which by the way pretty different from their first release um i think they had a a member change between the first album and the second i think the drummer changed out potentially um but you know the the first lp is a bit more straightforward it i think it's screamier too um and with this with this one you have more singing which um I, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. There is a, perf- for me with this band, there's a preferred vocalist whose vocal styles that I prefer. And um, I will say on the first album, I maybe like, because there's there's dual vocalists, I may like it better on the first because the second vocalist screams more and has like a really good scream. I don't, you know, love his singing, sort of yelling as much, but I, I I don't know. I still feel like it works within the record. Uh, basically, I, I, I just think it never got its fair shake. Um, I, was, I was weirdly talking to a friend about uh, this last night. And he was saying, the plan is a band that will never get their fair shake. <laughs> and I was like, you know, because um, I, was, I was talking about the podcast and you know, what we were going to be talking about today. And I, uh, this is like the one other person in the world that I've known that knew this band. Uh, My, my friend, Bobby Slocum, he used to play in a band called Cyan. I was also in a band called Satake, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But um, because I knew we were going to be talking about this, I, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, uh, actually, I think he may have reached out to me and because I uh, shared on Instagram that, you know, we were going to start doing this. And uh, he was like, man, I wish I wish I could do something like that. I was like, dude, it's so weird that you said that. I'm actually talking about this band that you're literally the only other person I've ever talked to about. But yeah, he, he said it and I I kind of agree, but I, I hope it changes, you know, just that they're a band that will never get their fair shake, but I feel like this album is too good to, to not have someone out there touting it and saying, people go listen to this. 
you you can find greatness in this album you know sure and i mean to be fair i i had never heard it previous to us actually you know talking about it and you sending me a link to it um and when i first heard it the first thing that that kind of caught my attention was i thought the guitar playing was was excellent i liked the the kind of uh vibe that the guitars gave off i like that as an album it, it's very cohesive it holds together really well and it, that speaks for a few things that we have coming up that we're going to be discussing with other people uh guests that we have coming up with the albums they've picked for me i was pleasantly surprised by the album because i did not have any background um, when I looked it up after listening to it the first time and realizing that Michael Catano was in the band and he was in North of America and Holy Shroud, whom I really, really like Holy Shroud. Oh, yeah. And then when I hit this, like the second or third song, the vocals hit me and I'm like, this sounds so familiar. And then when I looked them up and saw that he was in Holy Shroud, it all kind of fell in place because there's moments that definitely have that kind of like, like shout singy vibe that he does really well um there are no again this is this is gonna sound weird but i don't i don't think there's a, a bad track you know i think it's very solid i think it's a good album to listen the whole way through um but i was pleasantly surprised because when we talked you know outside of just uh you know like a dm through through instagram yeah. um we we discussed like you know our musical tastes are, are pretty different and i was very surprised by this being kind of like your pick but when i go back and i listen to it because i've listened to it multiple times and i definitely agree it's it's an album i would highly recommend listening to as well particularly for fans of post hardcore but i definitely heard like an early at the drive-in vibe in certain tracks yeah i mean there's just no way around that to me yeah. yeah, there's there, there's just like, I, I, it's it's more in the guitar than it is the vocal delivery or anything of that nature. Yeah, it's I definitely agree. in like the tone of the, the, the music, but there's a lot going on in each song too. Um, the songs aren't extremely long, but they, they have a nice cohesiveness even within the song to kind of push forward the, the message of the band. But I like that the intensity is you know, it's not, it's not every track. There's, there's intensity throughout, but it's kind of, it's got nice ebbs and flows and yeah. it flows, it flows really well. And that speaks to, you know, the, the crafting of the album at, at, for the band, you know, to sit down and put the, the tracks in this order or whether they wrote it this way. I don't know. Yeah. Right. But, but I agree. I definitely think that they, they are somebody who could benefit from the attention of, of something like this um and i think there's i mean I, it, to be fair i think there's plenty of bands th that could benefit from from attention i know you know just last year like releasing some some older stuff from bands like bow and arrow and reds who i always felt like these bands were to me were incredibly cool bands that just never got any kind of recognition for putting out good records and this is another huge example of that this is a band that definitely if, if they came out now everybody would be would be talking about them on on instagram or everybody would be talking about them 
on Twitter or they would be, you know, their name would be, their name would be out there, I think a lot more. And I think that's something that's definitively different from the time period that they kind of came up in because it really wasn't the internet age Mm -hmm. for that type of thing. And they didn't have kind of, you know, I'm sure the label didn't have the funding and the backing to push it like you can today with a, with an app like Bandcamp. Yeah, exactly. Like the internet is open thing. Well, the, the expansion of the internet, because like, I think this album came out in 2001. So, I mean, it's not, it's not infancy, but we're not at Bandcamp. I don't, I mean, we may have been at Napster. I mean, spoiler, that was somehow downloaded this album. (laughs) So, I mean, it was out there somewhere for me to find it. And I I think that in Napster, Audio Galaxy, all that stuff was probably around that time. Yeah. Like right on the cusp of like 99 into 2000 is like when I think those two things start to kind of, you know, I think Audio Galaxy comes along a little later, but the the positive of Audio Galaxy was you could listen to the whole album. Yeah. And find the whole album where Napster was trying to, you know, you were like the Sherlock Holmes of finding fucking music you like because you had to track down each track. It was a pain in the ass. Did you ever have this happen? This might have been, this may have been later, but I feel like it it may have still been Napster. Like the original, and this will be sort of a, it's not really an old man tale because old man tales are talking about fucking cassettes and and stuff, you know, like back in the 80s. Um, But as far as internet stuff goes, um, I remember for like piracy protection, um, this has nothing to do with the plan heads up um downloading uh the song maps by yeah yeah yes and the label whatever because that's a i believe that's a major label release um fever to tell whatever major label it was and i thought it was now i look back and i go well that's smart for the time because they didn't have the kind of stuff they have now for the internet the label purposely released a fucked up version of that song and like flooded, <laughs> flooded like either Napster or LimeWire, whatever the, the thing was uh, at that period of time. Um, there were a, there were a bunch of like Napster clones, you know. Well, there was back. there was a point where they had encrypted CDs so I that if you that. did upload it, it would be uh, like a glitchy version of the song. And so that was another thing that you, you ran into when you were, you know, attempting to find something new. And I think now, you know, first of all, kudos to all the bands that are on Bandcamp that give yeah. their, their, their music away for free and allow people just to come on and listen mm-hmm. and allow small labels like mine to help them out and put out some stuff for them and, you know, allow me to house their music for them on a place like Bandcamp because the exposure that they're gaining that a band, you know, in 2000, I mean, you're talking about just 21 years ago, would have never yeah. been able to see, not even close. You know, the only way it would it would have come into play is if someone would have stumbled across it because yeah. it was in a folder with other shit that they liked. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, it's so, you know, while you go back and you go, well, you know, think about how the music was then. These people were fighting to, you know, maintain the monetary rights to their music and things like that. People were obviously willing to pay. Look at Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Look at a Bandcamp Friday. Look at how many bands have put up, you know, limited edition, like exclusive t-shirts or a limited edition record 
for charity and have made quite a bit of money doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you consider all of those things and it's, it's a huge positive. So when you think of a band like The Plan who didn't get the exposure that they, they got, think of them being in a time when Bandcamp is a thing, when Instagram and, and you know, Twitter and, you know, all these other, you know, apps, Twitch, whatever the fuck else is out yeah, there. Right. <laughs> we're too old to know about, um, you know, those types of things are, are a massive, massive help. And I, and what I liked about the record on the whole was I like, I like dual vocals. I'm not going to sit and say that I don't, I like dual yeah. vocals. I like the guitar interplay a lot. I thought as far as kind of, you know, we'll use post-hardcore as, as a vibe. It was definitely more of like a weirdo vibe than a straightforward post-hardcore band. This is not, you're not getting, you're not getting an embrace record. (laughs) You're definitely getting something that's off that course, but by the same token, I was impressed with the fact that it goes from beginning to end. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't lose a step. It's, it's a good, it's a good record the whole way through. It's a record that actually something that I don't generally like to have in a record, but I can admit this record had was, it's a record that I could walk away from three songs in and come back to the fourth song and not feel lost. And that might seem like a weird thing, but like, I know there's a lot of records where if I don't listen to it the whole way through, particularly upon first listen, I'll just kind of drift Mm -hmm. out of interest. Whereas this one, I could, I could, I could step back in, you know, two tracks, three tracks, four tracks in, you know, because I got busy doing something and I had to come back to listen to it. And, you know, that, that speaks to me too, because I'm not somebody who is big on like singles. I like records on the whole. And that's something that I think is uh, problematic (laughs) when it comes to discussing things, because so many people are song oriented and not album oriented. Right. So for me, it's about the album on the whole. So when I think about the way that you presented it to me, when you when you sent it to me and everything, you know, I'm very appreciative that you brought this one to my attention because it is, you know, an excellent record. So when you think about it for yourself, is it more of a personal record that means something to you? Or is this something that actually opens up, you know, an avenue to different bands that you kind of find through listening to the plan? It's probably both. I mean... I will say that um, at that period of time when I found them, I was like all in on, I mean, I was calling it Canadian music, but I think really, if you look at all the labels, I think they were all like Halifax labels. So, I mean, I know I've mentioned Matlock records, but there was a bunch of other ones and there were a bunch of other bands obviously as well. Um, But I know, uh, there was a label called spectrosonic sound um and it was uh it was or is because i I don't know if he ever stopped officially but uh this this guy sean scalen um scalen i might be mispronouncing it's one of those things where you never uh hear it said out loud but you see it written and you're like well how's that said but um uh this guy started this label tons of great bands on there um I mean, uh, Blake, 
I mean, these are these are all bands that some someone in Canada listening is probably like, holy shit, Okara. And actually, just fucking, I think yesterday, he's uh, an amazing photographer. And I don't want to say his claim to fame because he's taken wonderful photos of lots of bands who had come through uh, Canada over the years. But um, he has taken a shit ton of Fugazi photos, like just a, I don't want to say an insurmountable <laughs> amount, but he's taken so many just wonderful fugazi photos um but yeah i think just yesterday on instagram he posted he had got some old prints of this band okara in the studio um a band called kepler not to be confused with i believe that german like scram screamo band kepler who's also good um but yeah i think i think the plan sort of was a branching off point to find more stuff, to keep looking around. See, the thing is, is I'm just not sure the chronology of everything. Cause I don't know. Sure. I, cause I know that North of America came before them, but at what point do you find? Um, and when I say came before them, I just mean, I heard them first, by the way. Um, right. I mean, it's, you're talking about your personal history yeah. with the album, not the album itself. Right. So for me, I'm not sure where I first get connected to this whole sort of Canadian scene. Um, I don't, I'm assuming it probably is North of America, but then it's like, I have to ask myself, well, how many, this is going to sound fucked. How many bands till you like give a major shit? <laughs> which sounds stupid sure. right so you listen to north sure. america and you're like oh this band's really good and then say for me i listen to weights and measures or me i it, potentially it was this band called rockets red glare um x blake see this is weird i can go off on these weird like canadian tangents that no one's gonna who's, who's gonna know this stuff but um how many bands do you hear from like a scene or from you know some similar labels before you're just like i'm all in on this stuff you know sure I, I, know I mean and i think canada in particular i think right now as far as you know hardcore punk screamo whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah i don't know if there's a better a better scene than canada's scene i mean you look at the bands that are coming out of canada right now you got obrea sky mm-hmm. you got Karloff, you got burial etiquette i mean you've got cell press Frail Hands is from uh, Frail Hands is from, from Nat- Halifax, I think. I could be yeah. wrong. I mean, you've got Dave Norman putting out putting out all the bands he's in. I mean, bands like Our Future is an Absolute Shadow. I mean, it's just a, a crazy amount of of excellent stuff. And that's not to take away from from bands in the U.S. It's just that you know they seem like they are all over the place as far as the sound. Yes. You know, and that's stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have a band that that has these crazy noise elements, and then you have another band that that kind of does like, you know, uh more of a straightforward, like maybe like metalcore sound. You have another band that's like, you know, sort of a, a more screamo-esque sound. Then you have a band that'll like add like black gaze to their I mean, it's just I, I love that. And and I understand what you're saying. So when you when you find a, a certain area of the world, maybe even that you enjoy the sound from it's very easy to pick up on another band from that area because if you see that they're from that area or you see that they're on a similar label or they share they share a similar member it's so easy just to go well, i'm going to check that out yeah because 
So yeah, I, I totally understand how that comes into play. Dude, but I will you, tell you, you, I was ridiculous with <laughs> with that level of checkout. Um, I doubt Sean Scanlon will ever like listen to this. It would be cool if he did. I'd like to have him on the show. He's he's been in like scenes for a long time. I can't even imagine what he would bring to the table. Um, but he had and maybe still has a uh a photo blog. I don't really know what you would call it, but he had a website where he would post photos that he had taken over the years. And I remember he had posted a photo of a band called Lockjaw. I'd never heard of them, mm-hmm. but he had mentioned that uh, one or something like one or a few of the guys went on to start this band Okara. Now at this point, I'm all about Okara. So I'm like, okay, I'm listening. And he just posted a picture of them. I guess they had gone to DC to track some songs uh, I think they may have done it at what is it, Inner Ear, you know, the famous studio sure. in DC. And he had taken a picture of him, I think, outside of the White House. And he he wrote this uh not really a review, but he 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 said, you know, like the first time I saw this band, uh, they were opening for such and such a show, and I left the show after they played because I was so blown away by them, I didn't want any other stuff to come in. So I was like, holy shit. Um, I spent years now. I'd never heard this band. I spent years searching down their like one seven inch that they did based solely on that. And because of, you know, where they're from, who they're connected to, <laughs> it got to the point where finally years later, because you're probably familiar with this too. We didn't have discogs always. Um, so it was quite right. hard to find things sometimes. I, I remember going on eBay for a while searching for this band Lockjaw and I never found them. And I think eventually I got hooked up with Discogs. Weirdly, first thing I ever bought off Discogs was uh, a seven inch by the plan, anti the SA seven inch. It's fucking tight. And I found the seven inch and I, I, message <laughs> Sean Scanlon I can't remember where because somehow I I just added him I think I just added him as a friend on Facebook which is so lame but I I remember messaging him being like hey you wrote about this on your like photo blog or your photo website a long time ago this band called Lockjaw I've never heard them is this seven inch that seven inch I've been searching for for years since reading your thing he's like yeah that's the one and I bought it like immediately you know having never heard it uh, it was worth it, obviously. But yeah, to be fair, to be fair though, I didn't buy anything off of Discogs until about two years ago. Oh wow! I yeah, I mean, I generally tried to stay up on anything that I wanted, so I was, um, uh, you know, I was big on like jumping on the pre-orders, but uh, partially because I, you know, I I came up with like the Viva La Vinyl message board, mm-hmm. which was like let's say precursor to discogs where you would just list everything you had and then you would have like a section of like things that you're willing to trade and or sell Mm -hmm. and people would send you messages and you know i've 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 traded away some things that were worth a lot more than what i got in return oh yeah (laughs) which is yeah i mean not at the time it wasn't you know um yeah i at one point had traded away a give up the ghost record on like a clear press and it was like the the limited press and i i traded that away for you and i saturday's cab ride home and it was supposed to be the orchid and i forget who the other band was on it but it was a six inch and 
the six inch never arrived. I mm. only got the U and I, which was all right. That that kind of stuff happened all the time on there. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm guilty of shorting somebody something at some point as well. But you know, it was such a different thing. And so to have discogs is really nice. Oh yeah. I just am very weird about um trusting someone else's grading on something. Because yeah. while I don't care about first press or anything like that, I'm more concerned with being able to listen to it. Yeah, I recently so initially in starting which this could be a whole nother conversation but i think i got my first record like bought my first record in 2007 um for anyone that cares it was uh, a band called sharks keep moving if anyone gives a shit uh i think the desert what is it desert strings uh the the ep they have there that was the first thing i ever bought but when i first started buying records obviously labels you know you get it from the that one was from the label it's out of print now i think um and then ebay so i don't even know when discogs came out or anything first time i ever heard about it i'm at um i'm at a record or i was at a local record store waiting in line for fucking record store day so it was and i'll say this so it was at a point where record store day wasn't at the super crazy level where people were camping out the night before but it was something where we got there at like 6 a.m and we were 10th in line so kind of like somewhere in between the craziness you know what i mean (laughs) and i ended up standing um next to and I don't even know how we got to talking. I, you know, I have so, you know, probably wouldn't tell from our uh, conversations, but I got, I, I have social anxiety, you know, usually when I'm in public, I have to, if I'm not with someone, I have to wear headphones. Cause I, I, you know, I can't be around people and stuff. Um, I, I remember I was there with my girlfriend though. So at uh, the time, so that probably opened me up and somehow I got to talk into uh, the guy next to me. His name's also Matt, Matt Glore. Um, and turned out we had all these mutual friends, his brother, Steve is the drummer in this local band, uh, Onaka and the burning river who I'm friends with and all this kind of stuff. It was a cool thing. And he brought, I, I believe two things to my attention. I just wasn't aware of, uh, one of them was discogs. And then the other, uh, was, uh, the vinyl collective message board. I don't know if you've ever been on there. Uh, I was also on yeah. vinyl back in the day, but, uh, but yeah, that was how I got linked up to uh, Discogs and weirdly to sort of, sort of bring it sort of full circle. <laughs> I'm on Discogs. I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know they have a marketplace there. I go, well, I'm going to throw what I think anyway, with my limited music knowledge of the time, I'm going to throw what I think is the most sort of out there record that I've never seen in my life. I'm going to throw it at this thing to see if it has it. And it was the plan. It was anti the anti uh, the uh, SA seven inch right off the bat. It was up there. (laughs) It was like seven bucks, which some people might say, Oh, it's not worth it to me. That was like, you know, people talk about uh, not, not Holy grail. What's the terminology? White whale for like record collecting sure that to me was one of those because i'd been searching for fucking (laughs) years for this thing it sounds so ridiculous in hindsight because but you know you probably you and probably uh 
a lot of our listeners know, you know, you can be really passionate about stuff that not a lot of people really know about or care about, but to you, it matters, you know? But yeah, Absolutely. that was, that was I, my I, first I think exposure. And weirdly, the plan. Yeah, I, which again, so that's that's what I'm saying. So, you know, that, that kind of covers an, an idea of like how that obviously had an effect on not just the bands you listen to and kind of the scene that you start to follow. It also gives, you know, a little bit of a history of how you start collecting vinyl through Discogs. There you go. Which is, you know, a positive thing. But when you talk about this record on a personal level, what stuck out to you personally that made you come back to this record over and over again? I think it probably is just the, uh, the integration of different elements. And it's funny to say elements because this album has a song called The Elements of Style, which is tight. It's kind of like the, uh, the slow song of the album. But when I was first uh, starting to play drums, I actually was like, I want to learn that one drum beat that the guy does. I don't know if you know the one, but he's like clicking between the hi-hat and the rim of his snare. And it's some, uh, I eventually did learn it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of just different elements on it that just appealed to me. There's like angular, you know, which gets tossed around. But I would say that it's totally fitting for this album. There's angular guitar work. Um, there's fucking riffs, dude. <laughs> but I mean, there are some like, there are some riffs. Yeah, there are some riffs. Um, I, I love a lot of the bass lines on here. I don't want to say everything, but just like there's so many appealing factors on the, on this album uh, to me. And I mean, it influenced me uh, to almost like show me like what you could do within the confines uh, of a genre, which, you know, similarly, I would say for some people, you know, relationship of command by at the drive-in full collapse uh, by Thursday, uh, similarly sure. probably showed them like oh these are sort of things you could do um, it's sort of on the line with other things but a little bit different and I feel like that that this did that for me um, there's also like um, and I think in underground and it's good too to get away from sort of like tough guy mentalities which is kind of funny to say as someone from Syracuse Earth Crisis X's and all that kind of stuff um, hardcore stuff but uh, there's, there's fucking pretty moments on this album. There's just like, which you don't often find that kind of stuff within these sort of subgenres that this album skates between, you know? So to have elements sure. that are just like pretty, um, it just, it has so much going for it. And it's, it's really just basically from first listen it just always uh, appealed to me in such a broad way that i can say i i listen to it regularly still i mean years later right i think i think one of the nice things about it is it walks a, a kind of a fine line you know when you mention you know at the drive in and thursday uh yeah that's i mean i can definitely hear 
them playing with those types of bands, but I can also see them fitting on bills with heavier bands or mathier bands. And even, you know, not to use the dreaded word experimental, but even like you know, more <laughs> experimental hardcore bands. I mean, I could see them playing a show legitimately with, with a band like, you know, like even a band like Blood Brothers. Um, Ooh, you know, they know. fit, they fit. Um, <laughs> don't know them, everyone. I'm so sorry, but I will he, at some point. I'm going to listen. There's he's going to listen to Crimes at least. That's the one I've heard is very good. And I heard there's dual vocals on it. I've also heard of Kitten Core, <laughs> which I know you and I have talked about. With uh, that almost feeds into the the not anti genre discussion, but just like man, if it when fits is it well. going too far? But then again, right. I'm I'm a proponent of the, <laughs> the term and not well, not a proponent. I just understand it's a genre of like sad core and slow sure. core. So and part of me is like man. <laughs> if you listen to um because actually to once again bring it back around i believe there was a band called wooden stars that was on um matlock records label mates with the plan and i think they were described as either sad car uh core or slow core and i uh get the band kepler who was also from this sort of same scene i think they were also described that way so part of me is like man if you're gonna accept those <laughs> acceptable genres of music and you <laughs> anything anything kitty litter core rob, kitty litter core by the way just to go on a, a quick tangent not that i've ever done that in my life slow core is such a bad like it's such a bad like it doesn't fit that genre of music at all like when i think of slow core i think of some really like doomy like doom should be slow core or something because it's <laughs> slow but i don't know whatever it's like that flammable inflammable sort of thing sure. like wait it's that what but that's my no, agree on genre stuff agreed no, i i think i think though with when when you think about this album on the whole I mean, again, it, it just, it resonates with so many different genres. So you're not just getting, you know, like a straightforward post-hardcore record. You're not just getting like a record that's all mathy. I mean, they fit, they could fit very easily on with indie bands. I mean, this, this they have a lot of versatility in the record. And it's a solid listen from cover to cover, which is positive. But just the fact that you could bring in and hand this to almost any friend that you have. And that's something that I feel like is is difficult, you know, not so much now, mm -hmm. because I feel like there is a lot of, you know, cross pollination of genre. But when I was younger, this if this record was in my hand, I could very easily have given this to my friends who listen to the shins, as well as my friends who listen to Converge and probably got positive responses on some of the songs from both of them. Yeah. And so that that kind of speaks to like the way they walk a, a line. Which, by the way, Holy Shroud and North of America were kind of similar in that vein, too. Yeah, you know, and were, I'm, I'll throw it out there. I'm very, I was very late to the Holy Shroud gang or whatever, which is fucking unreal in hindsight. But it was kind of like I had this period where, like, I'm, I'm all about this stuff. I'm focusing on this area. I'm, like, almost hyper-focusing. Like, I want to listen to every friggin' band from this this region um so i'm really familiar with uh north of america the plan 
There's actually a DVD that I still want that I have in my want list on like uh, Discogs. Uh, I can't remember the name, 913 Willow or something, but it has like, um, did you ever see those, um, those, the DVD series that came out? I think, um, I want to say Brendan Canty, if I'm pronouncing that correct, from Fugazi, he did this like doc, I guess, documentary series where they would have bands play in buildings that were going to be demolished the next day. Okay, I did not. No, I have not seen that. However, weird note, I won tickets to see the MC5 what? 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And um, I got to meet Wayne Kramer and have an autographed first edition of the book that he wrote. Holy shit. And, and Brendan Canty and, uh, from Fugazi and Kim Thiel from Soundgarden were playing in his band. Whoa! So, what? yeah. Side note. Dude, to- that's a let's get some more side notes in here i'm gonna i'm gonna be quite frank fuga fugazi's probably my all-time favorite band and i've had i saw um well it wasn't last year 2020 is like such a shroud of a year like it, my brain sure. some very traumatic stuff happened to me and i know a lot of people around the world but my brain doesn't like register it so i'm like yeah last year i'm actually talking 2019 but i saw um the band uh I always mispronounce it. Mesthetics, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, and it's uh, the basically the bass player and drummer of Fugazi's band now. Um, and they're like a instrumental. I, I don't know. And, you know, I'm standing so many. It was at a small club, this place called the Bug Jar. What up, Bug Jar? In Rochester, New York, about an hour and a half away from Syracuse, New York. And, you know, I'm standing about you know five feet away from like music idols and i i could not bring my i i couldn't bring myself to meet him i also saw ian mckay i mean and i'm not throwing him under the bus here i saw him drinking a beer <laughs> at a farrakat show it was a farrakat reunion show in 2007 in dc at the black cat and man i wanted to meet him but i have this whole thing where like they're on a they're on another level for me i i would fanboy out well i don't even know i'd probably just be nervous and be a doof you know but i think that's i think i've done that on plenty of occasions oh but dude that show must have been awesome wayne i feel like wayne kramer like i've i've seen a lot of uh his interviews he seems like such like i don't know an interesting person (laughs) he was he was very nice he was very nice so uh, I won two tickets, uh, a T-shirt, uh, a meet and greet, Dang, and a book. And so I got an extra ticket, of course. You know, I wasn't planning to go to the show. I happened to just enter this contest and win. Mm-hmm. And so my, my friend Steven went along. And he has much more of a love for that era than I do. Uh, that's not to say that I don't like the MC5. There's plenty of songs by them that I do like, but I'm less into like 70s rock music. Yeah. And he's way into to that kind that's of stuff like in like era. 60s and 70s. That's his, yeah, big time, his era. So he was so stoked to be able to meet him. And, you know, we got to, you know, they took pictures of us with him. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll text you the picture later. But yeah, it was a good time. It was interesting. But I was more excited about the possibility yeah. of meeting Brandon Canty than I was of meeting Wayne Kramer. Dude, what a and backing And that's nothing band. against him. 
Oh, yeah. But I didn't meet them. I didn't have the pleasure of meeting them. They were they were like backstage or whatever, but it was just Wayne. And he told really great stories and was funny and interesting and incredibly kind and a uh, very nice guy. So if anybody, you know, is listening to this and, you know, happens to know Wayne Kramer, tell him to send us an email. We want to know yeah. what album he wants us yeah, to listen exactly. to. That, I mean, that would be awesome. So to kind of package the album up a little bit, what songs do you think are the strongest on the record? Oof. <laughs> um, I know, I know like what my favorites are. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to approach those. it from that level. And I'm trying to think, well, track number is probably not important. Um, so man versus MIDI, which I think is track five. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Um, brushes held like hammers, which is a rad name for us. I've always thought was a rad. I don't know what it means, but I was like, that's a rad name for a song. Um, and then probably missive. And I think missive is the one where weirdly probably first listened through the album initially because and you can back this it kind of starts with like this dissonant sort of guitar thing i wasn't into it i don't know what my problem was um because the song is like i don't want to say it's like a roller coaster because i don't want to really put anyone off to it but it changes so friggin' much throughout you know the i don't know four i actually that might be one of the longer ones on the album five something minutes i don't really know but you know whatever during the duration of that song it changes i i mean that song has trumpet at one point vibraphone um and had ends in like a severely heavy way too or like are are my uh, headphones getting blown out right now like did something break like what is going on um but yeah, that, that's an interesting one in that I think probably, I think Brushes Held Like Hammers for a really long time uh, was my favorite song on the album. Man, it's hard though, because let's hear it for our school orchestra. I mean, come on. I, I love so many songs on this, uh, this album, but uh, Missive, I would say, is the one I would, like if someone wanted to hear what this band sounded like, i I might show them that song just because, you know, angry shout shouting, there's dual vocals, there's interesting guitar inner work uh, going on. Um, but then it has this like super pretty like breakdown. It gets back into it. The drums are fucking crazy and awesome. It's just like, I don't know. It like almost encapsulates like, I don't want to say everything the the band has to bring to the table, but it might be like their more most sort of um, I don't know experimental <laughs> song on the album with all the different like elements it incorporates. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was it was my favorite track on the record, and um, you know, actually, the three you mentioned were also the three that I liked the most as well. <laughs> Um, I, I really liked brushes held like hammers, but missive was immediately was, was my favorite. Like every, I've probably listened to it since you sent it to me. I probably listened to it at least a dozen times, um, oh, the whole wow. way through. And every time that's one of the tracks that I paused to go, did I write that one down? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've written that one down already. 
So it, it was the one that stood out the most to me. And then, you know, brushes held like hands. I think with, with Missive, what makes it interesting is it is like a microcosm of the album. It's got all of the elements that are maybe um, fleshed out on other tracks kind of condensed into that song. And, and I think it specifically, when you say that that would maybe be the track you would, you would show to people, I definitely think that would be, if it were me, and, and this was my pick, I think that would probably be the one that I would send to people because I think it's going to either get them where they're like, holy hell, this is really great, or they're going to immediately be like, nah, not my scene. And I think that's the kind of track for this record that is kind of perfect for it because it, it kind of condenses everything that they're doing on the record into a smaller section and really does a nice job of highlighting. You know, I think a lot of the strengths on the record are in that song. You can hear it play to the strengths of some experimentation. You can hear it play to the strengths of the dual vo the vocals. It's gonna give you a little bit more of a, you know, good idea of how the guitars can be angular yet somehow they also have the ability to kind of come away from that and sound a little more, you know, mellow. They, they do a really nice job on that track in particular of just highlighting their really their, their gifts, what they're really good at. And so, yeah, I definitely agree with you as, as that being the track that I would, I would definitely say that. And then of course, man versus MIDI being the third one for me. Oh. Um, so good. Another great track on there. I mean, to be fair, I don't think that there is outwardly uh, a bad track. You know, so my first listen, I wasn't sure at all what to expect. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised right out of the gate because I thought the guitars were good. That was my first take. I was like, <laughs> oh, the guitars sound really great. And I thought the recording overall was pretty good. Yeah. Um, particularly for the time that, you know, it, it came out. And, you know, the fact that they were more of an independent band, you're not talking about a band that's been doing this and is on like, you know, Universal Records or like yeah, Epic exactly. or some shit like that. You know, this is on a small label. It was probably recorded in some small studio and it but it sounded it sounded really solid. And, you know, from there, the vocals, you know, um, definitely have a preference to one vocalist yeah, over yeah. the other. Uh, however, I mean, all in all, I think I think it's a really good listen. I. I would recommend it to anybody. I mean, like I said, I think it crosses a lot of territory too. And I, I you know, it, it's sort of like you said, with, with that to drive in and Thursday or those types of bands as well, they can cross a lot of territory because they can play with, you know, so many genres because they have these parts that fit with that, even though not the, the whole song may not fit into that genre. There's these yeah. moments mm -hmm. that fit in, you know, the intensity and or the ability to pull back. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's a tough thing to, to, to kind of come up with as a band and to push through really hard is to have that like tug of war with yourself within a song or within a record. And I, I feel like they do it, they do it well and they pull it off. And like I said, you know, had this come out in this era, I think that they would be a band that you would see a lot of people be throwing them up on you know their instagrams and you know throwing them oh. up on twitter as a band to check out because you gotta think i mean so 2001 so 20 years later i and i'm not putting any present band down but there's like there's elements in just how they do stuff on this album fucking 20 years ago 
that there's bands now who can't do that. You know what I mean? Who who might yeah. want to, who probably strive to do something at that level and aren't. So like, I would hope, and I, and I, I'll say this, um, in picking this for, for the podcast, I had, you know, I was stressing. I stress about, yo, listeners, <laughs> I stress about friggin' everything. So that we'll get that out there. I already talked about my anxiety stuff. Um, but a big thing with me was coming into this. I'm ultimately a nobody, you know, uh, Syracuse, New York. I've played in some bands. I'm not going to mention any of them offhand right now, but, um, you know, some P I, I know some people I've been around for a while and I just, I, I listen to a lot. I try to anyway, listen to a lot of music, check out a lot of music. Um, but I was like, you know, Ron has a label that puts out a lot of stuff that I like. Uh, I have to assume a lot of other people like, and my big worry with coming in, and knowing I was going to be sort of the lead in um, because uh, to listeners, we're going to have guests doing this and it's, it's going to be pretty cool, you know, moving forward. Um, but I was like, I don't want to really put anyone off. Um, like, I don't want to appeal to you necessarily, um, but I don't want necessarily someone to come in, say, who knows your record label. Um, sure. And listens to some, I don't know, some fucking weird, because it could have happened, some weird fucking instrumental post-rock kind of stuff, because I listen to a lot of that kind of stuff, or, you know, whatever. Um, So I was I was cognizant of maybe not necessarily appealing to that sort of underground thing, but um, maybe throwing something out there where, like you said, it has kind of a mass appeal where I know what i say six or seven albums one of them was north of america everyone just so you know but he knew him already i wanted to show him something he didn't know <laughs> so um but of all those uh bands i sent you this was the album that i think kind of like you said it i don't want to say it has mass appeal this isn't we're not talking fucking top 40 you know there's i, right. I wouldn't say there's a hit on this um, There's this. This isn't going to be, you know, a pop record yeah, by any stretch. Exactly. This is this is a rock and roll record that is definitely in the punk vein of some sort. It's in the hardcore vein of some sort. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not going to have that. What I think it is, though, is it encapsulates a lot of underground music in one kind of like album. Yeah, and I felt like maybe. For people who are like, who the fuck's who the fuck's this Matt St. Laurent guy? What's Syracuse? I've heard of Earth Crisis. What's I've Syracuse? I've heard of I've Alec, never heard of Hellfest. I've heard of Alec Baldwin before, but <laughs> who the fuck is this dude? Um, I felt like maybe this was a decent full length to sort of put out to to be like, hey, <laughs> I'm Matt St. Laurent, and this album sort of has a lot of the elements of just the broader span of music that I enjoy. There are mathy elements. There's that like fucking dude. I'll tell you what, the first time I heard, um, and I'll admit that I, I did this because I do try to like listen to an album first all the way through just to see, uh, you know, how it is as an album. But there is that fucking break in Man versus Midi 
that to me sort of comes out of nowhere. Like I'm not yeah, expecting sure. it where it's just like dun, dun, dun. I definitely was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and I think I think I finished out the song and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta go back in and hear what the hell happened. Because at this point I'm playing in math rock bands and like purposely, you know, trying to be complicated. And it was something that, you know, just caught me. Um, but yeah, I guess just what I'm trying to say is with this album, kind of like what you said, with that uh, that appeal to people who are into lots of different genres of music. Hey, my name is Matt St. Laurent, and I'm into a lot of these different kinds of elements that you find on this album. And I hope you like it, you know, like and you you should check it out. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Also, to be fair, to be fair to you, I, I'm not really anybody either. Wow. I started doing the things that I was doing just out of, you know, I, I love music. I've always loved music. I've always wanted to be involved in some way. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument because I have no patience for anything. <laughs> and so the way that I got into it was always, you know, I always used my ears. I was always you know, while I might have listened to something that was on the radio very rarely, most of the time my ear was to the ground listening to what was going on. And, you know, I got to see a lot of bands that were nobodies at one point that ended up becoming big. I mean, I saw My Chemical Romance in a three-car garage at one point. Oh, wow. I mean, so like, you know, I've had, I've had my ear to the ground since I've been young, and I just wanted to be a part of it in some way. And, because I was unable to play an instrument and I've never been in a band where I could scream and yell and let out frustration. I've always been the guy who just would constantly be listening to stuff and recommending it to my friends. And so, you know, getting into that, that's how the label kind of started. I was like, I was at a show. I saw the, this band from Pittsburgh blast beat princess play. And I was like, fucking a, it reminded me of like what I assume it would be like to be in San Diego in the nineties, whenever you have like, locusts and swing kids and holy molar and crimson curse and all that shit going on and just that kind of vibe like of craziness and i was like i want to put this out so i just approached one of the guys in the band and said hey man i would like to put this out he was like cool sent me the recordings i you know and that's just how it started and things just kind of went from there like i became friends with eric at larry records and you know and then as far as doing the instagram lives that came out of just being bored from being trapped at home in quarantine. <laughs> yeah I was just like well you know what I'm just gonna reach out to somebody that I really admire their work and go from there so that's how I ended up interviewing Tom Schlatter from you and I and hundreds of AU and Coma Regalia and pretty much every fucking amazing hardcore band uh he's he's in it somehow um <laughs> he's in so many great bands but you know and then it just kind of spiraled from there like I had a lot of support you were one of the people um you know who supported me how who was you know going to be part of this initially and was unable to you know he was a a huge support at the beginning and and pushing me to do more and you know so I started reaching out to more and more musicians and I and I went you know less of a grand scale simply because you know most people don't respond or if they do respond it's usually like oh you know what I'm not really interested because who the fuck am I it's the same with this it's you know it's the same thing you know 
I do have a group of people that I've become friends with or I've become acquaintances to that are willing to jump on here and, and you know, give us the time of day and chat with us about this. I'm but excited. It, even if even if they even if they wouldn't have been, this would have moved forward regardless, because, you know, my intention is to do this as long as we possibly can and obviously have as many guests as we can. We have some ideas for the future that might come of, you know, of this if people are really interested and, you know, hearing what we have to say and albums that we really like or, you know, things even currently that are going on that we enjoy um, having that discussion. But ultimately, yeah, to say that you're a nobody isn't fair. I think that you, you bring something to the table. And one of the things that I like about you, and I said this the first time we talked about it was number one, I don't believe you're going to put in the work like me either. So <laughs> we're going to have that great relationship where we just do it on the fly. Cause there's just no, we're I don't, I, <laughs> we're, equals, we're, we're equally lazy. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of, I, I felt like, you know, when I would hear you do your little Instagram talks, <laughs> I always felt like that you had a point of view and that point of view, I mean, we've been, we've been friends for about a year and you know, that point of view that you had, was always of interest to me and that's why I you know I knew how much you liked music it's it's obvious to me you know you're always you're always kind of putting something up or you're you know you're throwing out like love to some band or something and and so you were literally when Hal was like hey I can't do this I was like all right I either go it alone or I'm gonna ask Matt and if Matt says no then I go it alone so I was I was really happy that you were you were willing to to jump on and it was you know a huge positive for me to have somebody that I felt a com, you know a bit of a compatibility with oh, because yeah. I don't believe we're going to agree on every record and I like that aspect of it. I also don't think either one of us is looking to trash anybody's no. picks. I just think there's going to be a little bit of like a withdrawal. One person's going to be much more interested in something than the other and I think that's a good element to have so that the other person doesn't have to feel like oh shit I have to spend 6 hours figuring out how I'm going to talk about this record that I didn't really love. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that that's another aspect that you bring to the table. I also think that, you know, you're a genuinely nice guy. I think you come from a good place with, with, with your point of view and, and your opinions. And, you know, I'm interested to see where things, you know, progress to. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really excited to, um, like I know how I was talking about Fugazi earlier and like fanboying and stuff, but uh, sure. a lot of the, the people that we are going to have on here. I mean, we have confirmed people obviously um, and we have people lined sure. up and then we have people are figuring out a lot of these are like, these are bands I love, you know what I mean? So it's really yeah. cool, but it, you know, I don't know that I would even, you know, given all the crap I got going on with myself, I don't even know if at a show, you know, remember shows everyone um i don't even know if i would have the the nards will say to go up and be like hey i really like your album or da, 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 you know to, to some of these people so it's going to be interesting to meet a lot of these people but outside of that if anyone you know listening's been like man this dude's like all about this fucking plan band what the fuck like imagine that but other people and other albums and just different types of music but you know, sure. you know, musicians and uh, we're going to, I think we're going to aim to have some different types of people on here. I think right now it's mostly just um, different musicians. And we yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, people. just to, to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit on what we got going on. So uh, this is our first episode. 
the second episode uh, will be my pick, which we might as well just get into the fact that that's going to be Charles Bronson's record. Um, (laughs) What a song, by the way, to name the album after. I mean, I'll I'll get into it in the actual. That's a great, it's it's a great, (laughs) it's a great, to me, it's a great album. But, uh, you know, we also have, you know, week, week three, we have Craig from Lesnar and Kind and District coming on. Uh, you know, our fourth week, we have Amy from Obrea Sky. Uh, fifth week, we have Frankie Z from Lytic and Pembroke. And so far, you know, confirmed for week six, we have Kat from the band Older. So we have a bunch of people coming up. We we have some really different albums yeah. coming from those individuals. There's Literally, a lot of... uh, what I was just going to say is just like, I mean, I know we're keeping a, a lid on it, but I, I it's... I don't want to say it's going to be surprising, but it's going to be really interesting week to week to go from like, okay, we were listening, especially if, and I would say, I, I mean, this is the whole purpose for the podcast. People definitely go check these albums out. Um, I sure. will say someone put this album we've been talking about today. Only these movements remain. It is on Spotify. If that is your jam, um, it's probably on, I think you said you heard it on YouTube, right? Yeah, but I will listen to it mostly through YouTube. I mean, yeah. I downloaded it as well, but I, I listened to it through YouTube um, most of the time while I was like in the car or whatever. But yeah, it's going to be interesting, like week to week, like if you listen to this and then you actually go out and listen to each album, um, it's going to be really interesting. And it's going to be cool, too, if you actually, I don't want to say do the homework, but if you're not necessarily familiar with each of the guests we're going to have and you listen to their musical projects um, beforehand and then listen to their picks, I think it it gives like a nice rounded image. You know, just because you play X doesn't mean you only listen to X, for example. Not the sure. band X from L.A. I was just using <laughs> that as a, as a place filler, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you might listen to the XX from England. You I never know. <laughs> They're great. They were great. Saw them live a few years ago. Really good. I was going to say, but incredibly cool show. Live. I've seen a bunch. I've seen so many. <laughs> um, no, I, and I think the, the great thing about it is, you know, I mean, I think people are very familiar with me from what I've talked about on Instagram. And a lot of it is, you know, representative of what the label is, which is, you know, the label is, a, you know, a punk hardcore label. It's got a lot of screamo. I've got some grindcore, some power violence, things of that nature that I've put out. But essentially, you know, those aren't the things that I listen to all the time. Yeah. And as somebody who constantly listens to music, you know, I am stoked about certain things that are coming up because there is some stuff I have not heard. There is some stuff I haven't heard in a really long time. There are some things that, you know, I'm interested to just check out for the very first time because I haven't heard them at all. You know, so... uh... I'm all about, um, I'm all about finding, well, I don't want to say I am all about finding new music, but I'm all about checking out stuff that's new to me. That doesn't mean it came out last week, but you know, there could be an album that came out friggin' 10 years ago that I'm just not familiar with, or I've heard of. Sure. And I like, I don't want to say that this is giving me the excuse to like, go check out X, Y, Z, but and in a way it does. And that's exciting to me. You don't always have that, you know, a lot of, it is easy. I mean, I've never been like this. I don't think you've ever been like this, but I think some people who are nearing our ages 
you know, you can potentially fall into these patterns where like, this is my comfort zone. <laughs> these are the things right. I listen to. And well, they, they say, what, what is it? So the age 25, people get to the age 25. And then generally speaking, they listen to the same shit, what a you know, for the rest freaking... of, which, yeah, I don't believe that. First of all, I don't believe it because just... everybody that I know is, you know, that's older did not. Well, to be fair, my parents and my grandparents, but I mean, you know, people that are five, seven years older than me that I'm friends with, or I know they, they didn't stop listening to stuff. I mean, they may not be as heavily involved as like somebody like yourself or me, but there's also plenty of people who aren't like, you know what, I'm just going to keep listening to, uh, you know, panic at the disco. Fuck it. Hey, songs to write home about take fucking 80 million. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, somebody, somebody passed me a four minute mile. (laughs) yeah no i mean i think that's i think that's a positive though and and more than anything you know thank you to everybody who has listened to us ramble this entire time because we're really good at that yeah um but more than anything all right i think this is better than our two hour uh (laughs) instagram video i think we're that one was topic we did stay on topic for the most part we do we do a lot of side we do a lot of sidebars but that's okay i enjoy that about the whole thing I don't think it should be a straightforward. This isn't supposed to be linear. Um, yeah, we're not we're not looking for a finish line, but ultimately, you know, I appreciate anybody who who is listening and who does get something out of this. You know, the the real goal here is to maybe give you an idea of if you're interested in these musicians or if you don't know the musicians, check out their music. You know, there's plenty of good musicians coming up. You know, with Craig from Lesnar coming up, uh, that new Lesnar tape that's six songs is. Mm-hmm absolutely phenomenal so good you haven't heard it and you like you know post-hardcore or screamo or hardcore i highly recommend jumping on that one it's a fantastic fantastic record um you know but we have plenty of people coming up from different backgrounds and i'm just hoping we can shine a light on something that that gives you a little bit of background about them you know them as a person what they what they listen to when they're not you know slamming their head against the wall listening <laughs> to guitar guitar riffs that are just like you know blowing you through the back of flat back of your chair yeah this, right. is, this is about like exposure to different things and what what they have a relationship with so you know first and foremost matt i appreciate you agreeing to do this with me i appreciate you being willing to be the first person to you know record with us and more than anything i appreciate you as a person man so i, I want to thank you for doing this well, you are very welcome. I want to thank you for extending the offer. Um, not, I don't want to say not my wildest dreams. It just, I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I think I told you that I, I wanted to start as someone who doesn't listen to podcasts. Really, I wanted to yeah, start same. one some years ago, and uh, I just could never. I didn't want to do it by by myself because believe it or not, listeners, I don't like the sound of my own voice. So editing this is going to be a fun experience, but um, um, I I didn't want to do it by myself and just could never get, uh, you know, anyone to really join up with me. So to kind of have it plop down in my lap with someone like yourself who, you know, like Ron mentioned, we've, we've only been, you know, friends, you know, a year, maybe a little over a year. And yet, um immediate sort of uh connection we're able to vibe and talk and it's it's wonderful 
Um, so to have someone that I actually have that connection with, because believe it or not, that's not normal for me, um, and be <laughs> able to talk music, which I love, and, you know, talk with other bands too, our, uh, you know, band members and stuff. It's just a wonderful experience. And I, I can't thank you enough for it, honestly. Oh, no, man, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And to wrap things up, everybody, we appreciate you listening. We will be back in about a week to discuss Charles Bronson's youth attack. Matt, I hope you have a good day, my friend. All right. You too, Ron. Thanks for having me again. No, man, I appreciate you co-hosting this with me, and I look forward to many, many episodes, my friend. All right, me too. And thank you to everyone that listened from me to you. Oh, yeah.